Welcome back, Tales of Glory listeners. Uh, we have another episode. It seems to be doing a hit and run today and stuff with children and deliverance. This is the big episode 36 of Tales of Glory, and this is going to be again in their fireside chat. I promise you some more um, stuff out of a field guide to advanced spiritual warfare and St. Teresa's coming and some more tales of supernatural, but I don't know what it is. This just keeps like a tsunami month of deliverance ministry and issues with children's deliverance that I want to touch upon for teaching and bring to attention. This is just stuff that we need to have addressed as a church and how we handle it in deliverance. And after I published the last uh, Tales of Glory episode 35, which contained uh, the sisters who are being delivered from <laughs> the demons, right? It was Go back and look at that one. That's about a, a couple of sisters who are having behavioral issues and the parents use deliverance ministry as a way for correcting behaviors, which we've already put those tapes into the file, into the vault. So go back and look at that one. Uh, we are on Spotify now for videos, which is kind of cool. So I also upload to YouTube. We also have the videos available on Spotify for you Spotify listeners. This is awesome. I totally love it. So my audio doesn't get mangled if I keep re-uploading through <laughs> Spotify and different channels after you edit all the time. This has been cool. So what do we have today? We have a deliverance minister from the South. Yes, sir. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. We got a deliverance minister from the South. Here we go. So Again, I'm bringing this stuff here. I kind of goof off a lot and I get sarcastic, but I want this information out for edification reasons. Because as a church, as we work with children, there's some things we must understand with deliverance. I work as a spiritual warfare minister, and I also work as a Christian counselor. And the hat switches back and forth a couple of times between the two. I've been involved with healing people from the occult and ritual abuse. So I've seen a lot of different stuff. I've seen a lot of crazy things. And where we always get it wrong is in children's deliverance behaviors and inner healing issues. And what's the difference between the two? Because the church can't seem to sort it out. And it seems to be more pandemic, to use the new word uh, we're in these days. It's more pandemic in the evangelical and um, charismatic communities, more so in charismatics. Um, I think this guy's a Baptist pastor we're looking at here. Uh, but yeah, I want to comment on some of the stuff here because we've been through a lot of stuff. We've been through the learning curve, and as these new ministers come up, they're not gleaning off the information, and they get again they get put on a pedestal. Somebody puts them out there, and it's just it's we need to correct this. It's not deliverance needs to be corrected. It's what man's version of deliverance is, and what's happening here, how things are being interpreted and misinterpreted biblically. Um, I am a super supernatural spiritual warfare minister. I had a street ministry for 10 years on the streets of the homeless San Francisco where the occult was highly present. I saw my share of demons and my share of deliverance on those streets is where I got trained. I've seen some crazy stuff out there, super crazy. So to introduce this, this was sent to me by a friend to take a look at. It was brought to my attention that this deliverance minister said that autism was a sign of demonic possession, and that gets the M16 Ministries' big red X. Eh, this is incorrect, and I'm going to play through his video here so you guys can listen to it, and I'm going to pause it and make corrections along the way because there's a lot of stuff I caught here um, working 
um, in battles against supernatural through the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, um, listening to God, hearing from God, uh, you know, just doing research biblically. Like I said, I'm studying um, Masoretic Hebrew now to understand the Old Testament, and that thing is full of occult and spiritual warfare. If you look at it in the, in the right perspectives here, through the eyes of Second Temple Hebrews, but I don't want to digress. Let's look at this and let's see the case this guy makes for autism being demonic possession in children, which again, I say is wrong. This is invalid, but let's roll that bean footage. Let's see what we got here, Mike. Here we go. Lock and load. As an attack, but your doctor calls it autism. I don't care if you stand or not. I don't care if you leave or not. I'm telling you, there's deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ for your children and their children's children. There's deliverance in that. Somebody help, somebody help me. Ain't no such diagnosis in the Bible. Jesus cast out that oppressing spirit and the child was made whole that very hour, the Bible said. That very hour. I think he is mixing two Bible verses here. I think he's mixing Mark nine with the demon the the pythonic demon that paul casted out in is it x 19 so in x 19 in the king james version paul said come um come out you pythonic spirit or something like that the one was just rattling behind him the whole time and the bible says in that hour the demon came out so i think he's mixing two scriptures here i'm not sure but i'm pretty positive Let's hop over to Mark 9. This is interesting. So, in Mark 9, we have a case of a young boy who is having seizures because he was demonically possessed. Do not connect epilepsy with demonic possession, okay? This was a situation where the, the experts were there. Woof, this guy's possessed. Remember, um, Peter and I think it was John went up with Jesus to on the Mount and they saw the transfiguration of Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And they come back down and they find the other apostles dumbfounded um, with this guy and his son and they can't cast the demon out. The disciples cannot cast this demon out. These are the guys that casted lots of demons out. They did a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of incredible healings, but this one was problematic and it wouldn't come out and it was just mocking the disciples and the, Jesus goes, can I help you? And he goes, surely, if you want to help me. And like, Jesus like, if I want to help you, you know, this was, you, was it your perverse uh, nation or your perverse age, he said to this guy? I got a response. It's off the top of my head. What we have here, and the dad knew it was, we have high-level occult demons that are possibly brought in through some ritual the dad took them to, or possibly they were in a haunted site and his um, spiritual attachments gone. This guy, these are high-level demons. Why is that different? Because up till now, if we go back to Luke 10, 17 with the 70 disciples, Jesus was teaching the 70 disciples about, look, Lord, Lord, you know, even the, the demons submit to your name. These disciples used their prayer posture. We call it prayer posture. Well, their authority was commanding demons to leave. And the authority of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave. And the, you know, they're speaking to the demon, right? I command you to leave, demon. In authority of Jesus, I command you to leave. That prayer posture is a direct prayer posture against the demonic. 
what we see here in Mark 9, it shifted. It was a petitioning prayer posture. It wasn't direct, but only Jesus can cast them out. Hello, what's going on here? Right? Ding, ding, ding. Let the light bulb go on here. So Jesus cast out the demon and the demons, they left. He may call them a deaf and dumb spirit and some other things, they left. And they said, and then the boy fell to the ground like he was dead and they left, right? If I'm remembering this correctly. And so Jesus goes, okay, let's go find a house and let's go have some dinner or whatever, you know, whatever happens after. And they're walking on, walking off. And one of the, the apostles grab him, dude, um, how come we couldn't cast that one out? You know, do, are we lacking something here? And Jesus goes, oh, that kind only comes out with fasting and prayer. And of course, if you guys got your King James Bible, that doesn't say it in our Bible. It only says others, so it's not legit. I'm pretty sure it's there in different manuscripts and different ones, but that's a significant note. But Jesus said, this is Mark 929 ministry. This was an exorcism and not a deliverance. And so what Jesus was saying was, hey, when kind of like when I'm gone, you know, and you encounter this, I need you to go into fasting and prayer and petition me to go to the high level spirits and make them leave. Jesus will go do it, He'll, you know, because we're not supposed to tackle on the high level spirits. High-level demonic spirits, or what more like we call satanic angels. That's what's happening here. That's what we're framing here. This individual has it out of context. Like I said, I'm, I've been called in many times to operate under the hat of an exorcist and do things like this. And I do a lot of research outside scriptural-wise, which I said, I, I embed into Hebrew. I like learning foreign languages and learning the context of how the ancient Hebrews knew this stuff. And what did Paul think? How did these guys think? How did Peter think? This was the context. They were dealing with a high-level demonic spirit in Mark 9. This man has convoluted it. He's actually convoluted two different scriptures of demonic deliverance here. Okay? Um, let's just listen to more. Let's roll some more bean footage. Here we go. I want to get this clear for you guys. That's what the Bible says. Now, I'm just figuring all this stuff out, so don't quote me on everything that I'm saying. I'm just saying, quote me on everything I'm saying. Quote you where you're wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. I think you're wrong, dude. I'm sorry. Um, and why I'm doing this, not to be sarcastic, not to get myself on YouTube. I like my ministry small. I don't really promote myself. Why I'm doing this is because when we do ministry like this, you hurt a family. You hurt an entire family. I'm not being seeker-friendly. We must use discernment. Is there demons involved? Would the disciples have stopped at this young kid who's autistic going, hey, Jesus, we, we cast a demon out? And Jesus would say, well, you guys using your discernment? Why? There's no, there's no demon here. Remember, in Mark 9, there's the deaf and dumb spirit being cast out by Jesus. In Mark 7, there's a deaf and mute man who's being healed by Jesus with no demons. There was discernment done. Just don't listen to this guy. You have That's the problem with deliverance right now. There's no discernment. We all know how to fake it till we make it. I see a snake around your waist. Let's cast it off. Like, oh, come on. Stop this. I'm, I mean, the Holy Spirit may manifest my hand and use it like a nun and backslap somebody like when it happens. I'm getting tired of it. Because you're hurting the autistic person, the child, when you drag them from deliverance ministry, deliverance ministry, deliverance ministry. If they're functioning high up, they're wondering why Jesus isn't healing them. And it becomes frustrating for them, and he wonders if Jesus even loves them. 
Same with the parents. The parents are going, well, why aren't we getting our healing? You know, what's happening here? Deliverance wasn't the answer for autism. Pray over this person for healing. You know, ask for a revelation. Jesus is demonic, is it? Uh, and a lot of times it is. A lot of times things happen for God to reveal his glory through people and situations. Many times we go through suffering. This is a sales pitch for a used car. For a used car that's a piece of junk and you're going to get home and it's not going to run properly. That's what this is right here. But let's play more. There's a lot in the Bible about spirit oppression that we just overlook because it's uncomfortable. And it's radically uncomfortable. Radically. I notice I get fired up sometimes. I start getting to the end. My beautiful wife always knows it. I saw her start walking up here to get ready to pray, and I'm thinking, baby, I got like... Again, this is a show. He knows how to work the tent. He knows how to elevate the people. You have to be careful, because I did this when I did Miracles and Warfare. It's just when you're in a sanctuary, it's easier for the people to get excited and elevated, and they start getting all jacked up on man's energy and not Jesus or Holy Spirit. When I changed my Miracles and Warfare over to a classroom, the dynamics significantly changed where there wasn't energy flowing around and around. It was like it was more calm and quiet than it was in a, in a sanctuary setting. And we were in a church. It was a classroom in a church. Um, and when we used the classroom, it was calmer. And we had extra classrooms to use in case there was a manifestation or we needed private healing. So we had a couple people in. We had groups, did a little teaching, and it was very quiet and calm. And things were different. And a lot of times we got healings. A lot of times we didn't. But what's cool was in these calmer settings, we were able to see what was happening. For instance, we had a couple years ago, oh, about six years ago around Christmas time, bring us their son who was 14, who they said suddenly became autistic. I go, okay, this is odd. What's going on here? How does a, a, a teenager suddenly become autistic? And what happened was the kid had sniffed spray paint and his brain went to a state that was like autism. He was no longer functioning. But the mom and dad wanted demons cast out and because he was mumbling funky stuff and he was, his brain wasn't operating properly. And they insisted it was demonic. And I kept telling him, it wasn't demonic. This poor kid needs healing. And they they dragged him from other deliverance ministries. They come back with these CDs and stuff and proof like, here, Mike, you don't know what you're talking about. Even this minister says it's demonic. It's like, no, the, the kid needs healing, needs love, needs help, and he's suffering. You can't do it or address it like this. We can't wear a hat and say deliverance is everything. And if we are going to be in the deliverance ministry, we must be able to discern. And I'm telling you right now, I bet you 85% of the people cannot discern demons that are in the ministry right now. And some big ones too, like the ones we showed last time, right? They can't discern them. It, it is what it is. It, it's why it is a spiritual gift, right? And it's, I don't know. Let's just keep listening to this guy. There's so much wrong here that, like I said, between Mark 9 and Mark 7, Mark 9 is a demonic possession, not demonic oppression. It literally was an occult possession, high level one. And Mark 7 was about some person that it was deaf and mute. Remember, that's the one. Is that the one Jesus um, spit in the ear or something like that? I can't remember what it was. Um, that was one where he healed blindness by spitting the eye. The other one we put spit in the finger in the ear and something cleaned it out. I don't know. So it's just it's crazy stuff like that, right? It's just how Jesus handled these. But Jesus let us know in the Bible there are differences. You can have two identical things 
you can't say deliverance covers them both. One, Jesus handled with physical healing, spiritual healing. The other one, Jesus handled with an exorcism. Not just deliverance, it was an exorcism. So let's listen to this guy some more because it's, it's not, there's some stuff that needs correction here. 15 minutes left in me. Every bit of it. It's hot on a burning stump in here, but I got about 20 minutes left in me, maybe. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. I'm just telling you, we've been slightly delivered. Slightly? He didn't heal the daughter of my people all the way. Slightly. That's why people can come to church and hear a good message and make a glorious decision and go home and be no different. Still be nicking like a chicken. What? What was that term? Still go to drinking. Still watch pornography when they know the devastating results of it. Why? You have a spirit. Okay. He's gone to addiction now. Yes, I believe that demons are a lot of the root causes of addictions. However, an addiction is a stronghold. What did Paul tell us about strongholds? Take every thought captive. If you have somebody with a porn addiction or an alcohol addiction, on rare occasions, rare, if I take one out of a thousand, I've probably seen people healed of it. Like drug addictions, I've seen it. I have seen it. One out of a thousand. However, this is something the Holy Spirit wants you to walk out. If you have a porn addiction, God's not going to deliver you from it because you are allowing the pornography. You are making your free will choice to grab the apple from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and pornography and put it in your mouth. God didn't stop Adam and Eve. He knew what they were going to do. This is a trial. If you want to get right with God, you must go through that trial. It's a long trial. And porn addiction is the worst. You're better off having an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction than porn addiction because porn's free. And Satan knows how to get into the mind, right? We're all fallen men. We're all fallen people. You must make the decision to fight. And it's a walk out. And it, it is not fun. It's behavioral. Yeah, Satan probably says, hey, look at some porn. But you got to stop that. You got to say, no. I have free will and I'm not listening to Satan anymore and start working on shutting it down. Quit looking at it on your phone. Stop it. You know, fast from it, fast from it for a month or something. And you'll see, you'll be able to have control of it. A lot of times I make guys do like a Daniel fast of porn for 21 days and they could do it for 21 days and they're back on it. Well, I'm back on it now. I go, what did that tell you for 21 days? You had self-control. What does that tell you? You know, it's just, they have to be counseled. They have to be worked through. It's a long walk out. But to say you can deliver somebody from alcohol and porn addiction, no, you have to walk yourself out of the mess you got walked into on your own, that you allowed yourself with free will. God will not come against your free will. So this is the problems I have with deliverance ministry, way that, you know, how this works. If somebody went through the whole thing, like I went through addictions, I've been through this stuff, or I'm all the way through, I'm almost close to this stuff. Can we do um, deliverance ministry, something, pray over it? Yeah, they feel that's what's necessary. But most of the people with porn addiction didn't even want to start to take control of their own problem. So I highly disagree with this guy. Red X, boom. Now, the Holy Spirit indwells the holy, holy of our body. But there are still demonizing spirits that try to destroy the work of the Spirit within us. And because we don't recognize that, the church is in a floundering mess of no victory in America. 
I'll stop here. What he just talked about is, yes, this is total St. Teresa of Avila. Yeah, you can have the Holy Spirit in you, but the, the demons, you call the lizards, <laughs> the lizards in the outer gates, will try to bring you back out. And I'm kind of going to lean on what St. Teresa of Avila does, because how I work with my um, ritual abuse survivors. The deeper they can go with Jesus and the more prayer they can engage in with Jesus, the stronger you become. And the stronger you are to endure trials and work with the spiritual director as you go through the trials, you become stronger. And that's how you fight these things. Um, this deliverance minister just wants to feel like he has power to, to kick these demons out and stuff. He doesn't because he's usurping your free will and God won't usurp your free will. There's just some, I, you know, if you have spiritual attachments, something demonic coming on and house hauntings and stuff, and you want it out of you, yeah, see a deliverance minister. Good, good. But this stuff is textbook bullshit. It's textbook crap. It is for deliverance crap. And it gets repeated over and over. When I first got started in this, Deliverance wasn't big back in 2007. There was a few people doing it, a few churches. And I always got, you know, pastor play off side. I don't want to see you casting a demon out of a tree. I'm going, what? Yeah, demon, you, you, deliverance ministers cast a demon out of every tree. That's kind of what it was now. They were, we, they were apprehensive. But now this stuff is just bad. And it's proliferating is bad. So uh, what else I got to say? Hold on. I'm not picking on him so much. This is what deliverance looks like in general right now in the church. So I'm giving the other side of this. It's just, this is not what you show up at church. Pastors, if you're doing this one, you're bringing, building an indoctrination around it. Shame on you. Shame on you. No victory. Sicknesses that could be healed. Children that could be set free. Marriages that could be restored. Addictions and bondage that could be broken. Religion that could be shattered. All Religion that can be shattered. In my walk now, as I work with people, the ones that come to me with children are people who are in bondage to religion. They, they can repeat scripture, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. They say they do. When you talk to them, hey, let's, let's talk with Jesus here a second. What's he saying about your family? Well, I can't hear from God. Well, how do you know to bring people in for deliverance? How you know this is demonic? You know, how are you going to bring this to me? They get all flustered like, you know, we've been going to church for 27 years. We're married. I don't care. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You can't hear from him. Start working. Square one, learn how to hear from God. Learn how to hear from God. Unless there's knives flying around your house and there's demonic manifestations in your house or something, that's when you need immediate action going on and you know, call somebody that, I don't even know if this guy will work. He's scary. Um, that knows what they're doing with this. Does that make sense here? This, this is like a rubber stamping, deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. And it's, this is not how it works. It's not what Jesus did. Jesus walked through the crowds some he cast demons out of, some he healed. This guy's going, deliverance heals everything. And I totally disagree with him. With a proper understanding of what the Bible truly says about what it truly say? What does it truly say? It's a supernatural work of a supernatural God through a supernatural book by a supernatural Savior. Okay, that's it's not natural. And that's why it bothers us. That's why it sets us off. I feel like it's Wednesday night in here. And then I read this. I want you to understand here, if you're going to deliverance, you must operate humility. This guy knows how to work a crowd. Law, this is in pride. That's what he does deliverance from pride. Sorry. You know, he knows how to, he knows how to work the audience. This is the Las Vegas show again. Stamp, Las Vegas. Like I said, when we did our miracles and warfare meetings, it was um, years ago. It was very quiet, very peaceful. 
And we went running around jumping up and down with a microphone. I didn't have a microphone. It was just a very, you know, probably 20 people at most in there. And we had our ministers that worked with us. And that's what it was. You know, it wasn't this stuff under a tent. I get it. They want to have tent revivals. But I, you're better off preaching Jesus and who Jesus is. Because when these people walk away after a deliverance and they don't understand who Jesus is, their behaviors are cascading right back like a tsunami. And that's what's going to happen. And that's what's dangerous about these tent meetings. Okay, let's listen to some more, right? Am I, am I getting my soapbox here? Jesus, help me. So that's I've seen it, Jesus. The cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Everything's good. Everything's all right in my father's house, other than the fact that the sucker's burning to the ground. Peace, peace. That's what these false prophets say. Oh, it's all good in the hood. It's all good in the man. Peace, peace, peace. You just stay in your sin. Stay in your rebellion. Stay in your addiction. Stay in your drug abuse. Stay in your this. Stay. It's all good. It's all good. Peace, peace. There is no peace. And you go home and you have no peace and you can't sleep. Well, you know. This is like standard deliverance ministry 101 new person. If I get in deliverance ministry, I can help all these people who are oppressed all these people who are demonized and we could just, you know, clean out the closet of all bad stuff and we'll have more happy people in the world and the church will be a better place, blah, blah, blah. That is not the way it works. I'm, look, begin to understand who Jesus is, how to hear from him. And number two, free will. Where's free will? It's in the Bible. Go look under Genesis 3 and all through the Bible, man making dumb decisions, man falling, man breaking off the Edenic vision of God. Just because you know deliverance doesn't mean you're going to help people and set them free. People are in their own cages. Remember the Israelites when they were going off with Moses? Where are you taken to with Moses? We were safe. We were in slavery with the Egyptians. That's the typical mindset of a deliverance person. Do they want to step out of their own cage that has no lock on it? This is, this is total new stuff and it's just, I'm sorry, it's, it is what it is. Am I raining on your parade? Yes, we must understand free will and how to operate with it as a spiritual director. And as the people close these doors, they find victory. As they work through Jesus Christ through trials, they find victory. Mike, what do you keep poo-pooing on deliverance for? Because these right here are not cases for deliverance. These are manifesting spirits. Are you know they're manifesting spirits. How do you know it's not dissociative identity disorder? Oh, gosh, Mike, you're not going to go off on that again, are you? Yes. Um, I had to repent early on in my ministry. I worked with a lot of people I thought were demonized. Some were demonized, and some was dissociative identity disorder because the church deliverance ministries taught me that was a demon. And autism was demonic. I've been through that too. But you must learn how to work with children when you do this. I immediately just walk in and make the parents prove to me it's a demon. You prove it to me. you know, And I'll immediately start praying for healing a little bit. Man, why aren't you praying for demons? Why don't you pray off the bind this, bind that? Because I'm not seeing a demonic. I've been so, through so much warfare. When somebody with a demon is brought into my office, all hell breaks loose before I can even sit down in the chair. Because a demon knows, oh my God, Mike knows what's going on here. He can feel me. If you don't feel nothing, don't push nothing. You know? Um, and it doesn't hurt just to pray over it. Lay hands on a person. Just pray over something for 10 minutes. See what happens. Just fill them with the Holy Spirit. What's going on here, Lord? Fill them more. Is there anything? If it's a demon. Demons want to get the hell out. Get away from you guys. Put laying your hands on me. I'm sick of this. Don't, don't do that anymore. Because, you know, you'll, you'll, you could stir stuff up and provoke in gentle ways to see if something's there. Many times I pray under my breath. 
and buying stuff where nobody can hear me to see if there's a manifestation. If there is, nobody can hear me as a manifestation. By golly, there's a live one. Start casting it out. And if I do that, and I'll say the same thing out loud when nothing was happening in my breath, and all of a sudden manifestation. Okay, you got somebody who's been delivered before, or somebody that thinks they have a demon, but they don't. There's just ways to isolate this too, you know, and, and work your way through it. That's why I don't like corporate deliverances. You can't really find a lot of stuff. Now, sometimes there are. Like I said, it's better off for revival when somebody shows up for revival. And the Holy Spirit's there and somebody's just preaching it like crazy, preaching who Jesus is, making them understand. If there's a manifestation through that, then go deliver at that point, at that time, right? You know, do stuff like that and just let the Holy Spirit do its work. But this stuff, mm -mm. now I'm, I'm, I'm past that. I don't do that anymore. And I said, I repented for a lot of it. And that's where we're at now. I just want to disseminate information because we thought we were doing good, right? We thought we were doing good and we did some of this stuff, but we found out we were actually hurting people down the road. And that's what bothered me. That's where, you know, people either get out of the ministry or they, they make course changes. Like I took a lot of courses in training and counseling. That's why I'm a Christian counselor now. Is it a counseling issue? If it's demonic, it'll show up in the office because it doesn't like me, right? So I'm not worried about it. We just have to be more careful now at the charismatic party scene of deliverance. Hey, let's go get delivered to this, delivered to that. Now, how many times do you have to be delivered? How many times? Why is it once sufficient? You know, Jesus can do it once. You know, if you go to an inner healing thing like 30 times and you didn't get healed, you know, why do you keep taking the person? Because then it's, they're taking it personal. Like Jesus doesn't love me. There's, that's what I'm saying. I'm warning. These are warning shots across the bow. This is what we must be aware of as we work with people and bring them back into the fold and heal them. Many times behavioral takes a walk out. Oh, I just get that from my mom. She couldn't sleep either. No. Something's keeping you up at night. Caffeine? And it ain't what you're eating. It's what's eating on you. Pizza? That's the spirit of bitterness. Overeating? That's the spirit of unforgiveness. <sighs> that attachment that you have to the things of the occult, whether you are involved in it or not, you get the results of demonism and Satanism and occultism and the Masonic Lodge and the rest of that witchcraft nonsense that is passed down from generation to generation to generation. You wonder why you can't break free? You gotta renounce that stuff in the name of God because the devil has a foothold in your life. It's not something you did, it's something that's being done to you because of what somebody else did. Okay, I used to follow along the lines of this. I work with Masonic ritual abuse survivors and I wear people like came out um, Freemasons and ritual abuse stuff. Did you know it's cleansing streams? If you took their courses, doesn't do anything about Freemasons because they know something so off with it that they can't understand how to deal with it. And, but they still paint this thing. Like if you have Masonic um, history in your background, you know, you're going to be cursed and all this stuff. But what happens if you accept Jesus Christ as your King of Kings, Lord of Lords, is that generational curse still on you? Or did Jesus break it off and, and you're free or free indeed, right? Where we see the Masonic stuff coming in is when there was ritual abuse and it's still in the family. And I noticed when I looked at some of these um, curse breaking things and people didn't catch it. At the very end of the curse breaking, it starts talking about fragmented minds, ritual abuse. Okay. So if your dad was involved, the Freemasons, 33rd order, it's like, hey, Jesus, I don't want that in my family line. Why would you be cursed if you're saved? Why would your family line be cursed if you're saved by the Freemasons? Let's start applying logic here. 
if your family's still practicing it some way or another, immediate family, husband, yeah. On the flip side, I have seen it like this. It's just like one of my teaching my first deliverance classes. Somebody said, well, give us an example of a bad oath. And I said, Freemasonry. And this one lady manifested right away. She was part of the Daughters of the Eastern Star. But watch this, Joel chapter two, verse 28. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And here's the results, which started on Pentecost and still continue today. Pentecost is a to-be-continued event for the church. I pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And by the way, that's because it's from God, not because they're old. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. By the way, that's normal folk. That's plumbers, electricians, stay-at-home mamas. It ain't just going to be preachers. He's going to pour it out upon all of us, praise God. In those days. Okay, I'm agreeing with him here. This is correct. Remember, it's poured out on all of us. What people don't get, it's poured out on the Hindus, pagans, everybody. All the Gentiles, it's poured out on all of us that we're called back in. So yes, this is true. It's probably a good note to end this on. We've done ministry in dark place. I've been to Burning Man, done evangelical ministry and dream interpretations and deliverance ministry out there too. And these people know it. They're able to tune into the Holy Spirit because the Spirit was poured out on them. It's been very interesting to see this. I call it the Holy Spirit homing beacon that's in all of us. It comes on, you know, when you're, you're drowning in rough waters, it comes on. And these people start looking for it. So yes, it's true. It was, it was poured on all of us. So when we work with people, or like we said, like if you're dealing with the Freemason stuff like I talked about earlier, it was poured out on you that you could be set free and be free indeed. So we have to remember this with deliverance. Deliverance is applied to when there's specific cases. It's not because children behavioral issues are because of children medical issues or mental issues, okay? You can pray over it, pray for healing. Sometimes I've seen healings happen. Sometimes they don't. It doesn't mean Jesus loves us any more or any less. It's just a lot of times he'll use some situations for the glory of his good, and it's a mystery and it's beyond my comprehension. So, to drag somebody to a deliverance conference who's autistic and tell them they're going to be healed, they're going to be healed, they're going to be healed. They're only slightly functional. It's just going to frustrate the hell out of them. Why haven't I been healed yet? Then why doesn't Jesus love me? I'm going to close with a story that I had actually the opener of my advanced field guide to spiritual warfare. It was in the introduction. We had a, a, a change of names and everything on this one. So nobody will be able to figure out who this is because if they did, it's a very, high-profile case in my area that I worked on. Let's just say there's a, a girl named Sarah. She was brought to me. Her family was charismatic. They were big in the prophetic. And they said they had prophetic offices. People know they were, and everybody went to them for prophetic stuff. Sarah had a younger sister who was autistic, and I believe Sarah was on the spectrum of autism because these two actually set each other off in fights a lot Sarah, being the older sister, was always told, you know, Jesus is mad at you for picking on your younger sister. Jesus is mad at you for picking on your younger sister. And you're going to be given chores because you're not behaving the way Jesus wants you to. You're not respecting your, 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 you know, your, your parents. Over time, this person being raised in the church started thinking that Jesus would hate them and developed fragmented 
parts in their brain called dissociative identity disorder, their consciousness. And one part, every time you mention the word Jesus, the brain would shield itself and put itself into complex puzzle solving. And the complex puzzle solving had to be resolved before that person could come out. It's like their way of throwing themselves in their own mental closet and locking the door. And they would shake and they'd be violent. Now, the charismatic parents took them. I'm going to name churches here. They took them to Bethel, right, for the healing rooms. And they misdiagnosed the healing rooms as demonic. And the prayer ministers that worked with these, this was Sarah, told her she had a nasty demon. They couldn't work with her. And they were going to go get deliverance themselves because they were too close to the situation that was the occult. Finally, um, somebody who knew me from my past, from the Miracles and Warfare, said, hey, I have my my friend here, Sarah. Can you take a look at her? She's demonized. It's really bad. But sure, you know, come on out. And we brought her to our office meeting. And within several minutes, we figured out there was no demons, that it was dissociative identity disorder. And we worked for months to unlock the fragmentation that came from the Christian ritual abuse from the parents. Yeah, I'm calling it Christian ritual abuse. That this it's the same thing. This person had multiple identity disorder that was just like if somebody had a satanic ritual abuse, okay? And what about the folks at Bethel that had to go get delivered because there was a high-level demonic occult there and it freaked them out and they'd get delivered too? That's how, that's how intertwined and messed up this is, okay? If you're in deliverance ministry, you better damn well get out there and understand what dissociative identity disorder is and what mental health is and get exposed to it first and see how to deal with it. And then start working your way into demonic because the demonics there are even less. The demonic, if there's mental um, health issues there, the demonic doesn't need to be around. That's how horrible they are, right? They cause mental health issues. They don't need to be around. They've already caused the problem. Is it a, an inner healing issue? We need to bring them on board for inner healing, right? And that's what this guy right here is not catching. You know, it's the demonic, you know, autism. Sorry, I tell you, it's demonic. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Bad. Where's my newspaper? Swat him. It's not. It's inner healing. And I hope he figures this out one day because he's causing more damage. More damage. Okay. I'm not being seeker friendly. It's just what I've seen over the past. Like I said, listen about my past podcasts or look at my stuff on M16 Ministries. What I've seen, what I've been through. I've seen a lot of the occult powers. I've been highly attacked by the occult because I work with satanic ritual abuse survivors. I've seen it. I know what the difference is. So I just appeal to this minister and whoever's out there, quit calling autism demonic possession. Is it an oppression? Could be, but you're not, it may or may not cast off. So don't exasperate the young children when you do this. Maybe just do it gently once. You get no results. A lot of times they'll trigger the autism with a child. Oh, there was a demonic twitch. Oh, it was a twitch. He twitches every time I pray over him. Doesn't mean anything. It just means you're they're uncomfortable with you. Okay, so I hope this helps. This again, this is not a textbook um, example of praying for children with autism. If you have somebody with autism, like I said, just keep it calm for them and don't just go off and deep end. You have demons, they're listening, right? Like, Lord Jesus, I just pray to you bring healing to this person. Now, make it very gentle. Holy Spirit, just you know, come and bring them peace, invade them with peace, bring your peace and healing, Jesus, however it looks, right? God understands. If we think we have to do this, we're stepping out in pride telling God how to heal somebody. That's what it boils down to. Again, we're back to ritual, deliverance, ministry. We step out in pride and tell God how to heal somebody or how to you know, break curses off them. Or that 
his initial justification isn't enough to break off um, generational curses. Many times those curses are there through witchcraft. Okay, if it's still active, maybe we'll have to go do something, but not all the time like this guy's insinuating. Not all the time. Sometimes it's Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. And, you know, and you're going through your heart. Oh my gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm free indeed. That's what it is. So I hope this helps, guys. I love you guys. It's another one to put out there. God bless you from the M16 Bunker. Until next time, this will be on a field guide to spiritualwarfare.blogspot.com. YouTube will be up on YouTube channel. You can find the YouTube link on a field guide to spiritualwarfare.blogspot.com. And also now the video will be up on Spotify. Rock and roll, huh? All right, folks. Love you guys. It's been a good one. And hopefully no more children's botched deliverance ministries videos come up here. Let's take a little break. <laughs> Back to other stuff. God bless, folks. Have a good one.